0: Uniquely,
1: Uniquely, 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 Hello and welcome to Uniquely Issaquah, a podcast about people, places, and things that make Issaquah unique. I'm your host, Timothy Smith, and joining us on this episode is our returning champion, Erica Manias, the re- director of Issaquah History Museums, and a new voice, Corey Walters, executive director of the Issaquah Food and Clothing Bank. Welcome, Corey, and welcome, Erica. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Erica, I think we'll start off with you to explain the premise of this specific podcast and why we have been joined by the director of the History Museums and the director of the Isgua Food and Clothing Bank together in this one podcast.
2: Well, uh, we kind of trace the beginnings of this back to a project that we set up through 4Culture. Four 4Culture Four is the granting arm of King County for their lodging tax, and they've got a variety of different grant programs. One of them is to encourage heritage organizations and artists to work together on things that incorporate um uh, both arts and culture. And so we had applied for a grant to work with um, an artist named Sean Dahl, who does encaustic art, um, and he has a series of works that he's done that are based on different hobo graffiti. So this is something that he's been interested in. So Issaquah... Quick question. Yes, yes. What's the kind of art? Encaustic, What's which is encaustic? Uh, it's wax-based art. Oh, okay. So it's there are a couple different ways to do it, but it's uh, the way he does it, it's um, kind of a thick paint kind of consistency that he works with. So um, it's really interesting stuff. It's all kind of beeswax-based. Yeah, sorry, Um, I just had never heard that term. Yeah, yeah. So... um, So he had this series of works based on hobo graffiti and so we received funding from For Culture and from the Issaquah Arts Foundation to create both an exhibit and then also a program that kind of talked about some of the different themes. So since Issaquah did have a a population of hobos um, during the times that hobos were around, we decided this would be um, a fun way to kind of examine the history of hobos in the community and then also to kind of contrast that with with uh, contemporary challenges of homelessness in the community because mm-hmm. um, I think that it's well fairly well known that Issaquah has a growing population of people without homes in it mm-hmm. um, and Corey will talk more to that but uh, so we received funding and installed the exhibit, and uh, one of the things that we talked about at the opening were the art itself and the inspiration for it, Um, and then also sort of the history of hobos in general and then hobos in Issaquah. So hobo graffiti, I think, is something most people are familiar with, but it's a a series of different signs and symbols that hobos developed in order to uh, keep each other informed and help keep each other safe, as they're navigating this world where they're traveling on trains and they don't have a lot of support or um, uh, or comforts. So uh, they depended a lot on um, asking people for food or finding work or that kind of thing. And so Hobo Graffiti developed because it was something that helped them um, Navigate kind of the challenges so, of their life.
1: So is their own language basically? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: And a lot of the signs and symbols varied depending mm-hmm. on what part of the country you were in. Okay. Um, hmm. So, so, and it's a, it's a really interesting code. So, and that it also taps in a little bit the the fascination that we have with hobo graffiti, um, and hobos in general. Kind of taps into our um, our public. Uh, fascination with uh, hobos, the sort of mm-hmm. romantic idea of being like, out on the rails, yeah. you know, you free don't have spirit. any possessions, you're a free spirit, and so uh, some of the, uh, the research that we did for this seemed to sort of echo that. Uh, we had some oral history and memory book memories that people had offered where they talked about how they remembered the hobo camp mm-hmm. that was here in Issaquah, maybe they walked past them on their way to school, mm-hmm and there were references to them as the knights of the open road, and it was very much this sort of romantic feel. Mm -hmm. And so I realized when I started doing research on actual hobos, the time period we'd gathered this information from was the people we talked to were all kids at that time period. And so they had a very different perception of hobos. Mm -hmm. There was sort of a romance and a mystique. And as we started looking at the real history of hobos in America, of course it was not as romantic at all mm-hmm. as what we, what we assume. And there was a really great quote that I found that said for every mile of beautiful scenery and warm sunshine, there are hundreds of miles of cold, dark nights, no food, and no one to care whether I live or die. Mm. And, uh, so as we started sort of unraveling some of these, um, kind of legends or fables of, of the hobo life. Mm -hmm. Um, it became clear that being a hobo is actually really dangerous, particularly if you were female or a minority, um, you were constantly trying to hide from, um, what were called railroad bulls and Mm -hmm. their job was to make sure nobody was hopping on and off the train. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was what I, one, Mm -hmm. one source referred to as a quote, strong tradition of violence among railroad bulls. So, Um, It was not uncommon to get uh, run off a train, perhaps shot at, and then, of Mm. course, riding the rails has a whole set of its own dangers of just slipping and falling and losing a limb or ending up in a train. (laughs) You know, I mean, not not, uh, – not your first choice for a vacation away from no, home. No, no, you're
1: think. not not taking the family and go, let's have the hobo experience. Right, yeah.
2: <laughs> um, and so once we'd sort of pulled this apart and looked at the full experience, it looked a lot more like what Contemporary homelessness looks like than it did something romantic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as we were developing this whole idea, um, I had gotten in touch with Corey because I felt like this was something that was really connected. We were talking about similar similar people, separated you know by seventy five years or so, and just mm-hmm. a difference in in life ways. So, when
1: you looked in when you did the research, was was the hobo um, the traveling the hobo were they were they just Nomads moving from place to place, or were they actually looking for work? They were
2: mostly looking for work. Mm -hmm. So the first migrant laborers really in the United States Mm -hmm. were hobos. Mm -hmm. Um, So there began, the the term was coined in the late 1860s, um, and the first hobos were really men returning from uh, the Civil War. Um, And this is the first time that that the trains could be used Mm -hmm. informally as transportation. Um so they were trying to get home. And then later, as westward expansion happened and the railroads expanded farther west, there were more jobs mm-hmm. and also more means of getting there. So this is where we start seeing people traveling long distances to get from a place that had work to another place that had work. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and during okay. the Depression also... Aside from just going from place to place looking for work, there were also a lot of young people um, in their late teens, early twenties, who were maybe living at home, and their parents had gotten to the point where they could no longer support them, and mm-hmm. so they basically said, "You know, hit you need road. to, you need to hit the road." Yeah. And
1: you mm-hmm. know, so the hobos in Issaquah, were they
2: main? Did they come here mainly for mining, maybe, or something like that, or? No, No, most of the hobos, I think, uh, were passing through the area a little bit later. So a lot of it was looking for work, looking for food. Again, during the Depression, um, the town marshal here actually would let vagrants stay overnight in the jail if there weren't anybody else there. Um, so we don't know a whole lot about the hobos mm-hmm. as individuals. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's transient from place to place and mm-hmm. doesn't have a lot of interaction with you know, legal systems and mm-hmm. land purchases and that kind of thing, it's pretty easy for them to slip under the radar of the historical record.
1: Right. Right, and so, like you were saying, when you when you did all this research, you kind of saw, you demystified it, didn't, de-romanced mm-hmm. it, and kind of saw the connection to where we were to our homeless issue today, mm-hmm. right? So, and that's where Corey kind of comes in, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: So I was asked to come and speak about maybe the realities of what it looks like today to live without a house, and to I often get asked to speak about. Demystifying the myths of homelessness, like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of myths um, that it's all males, that it's people who are uneducated, Mm -hmm. people who um, are maybe lazy or intentionally unemployed, people who are drug addicts or mentally ill. Um, There's a myth that people who live outside or live without homes are choosing to live there because...
1: Because they want to live under the stars. Because right? they want like to, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: which kind of matches some of the myths about hobo life, mm-hmm. like. And, um, but the realities are: a lot of our homeless people are people who are educated, who maybe have worked and are just currently mm-hmm. unemployed, or maybe they even are employed, but they're underemployed. Right. Um, we have families who are homeless. Mm-hmm. Um, we have met our highest growing population of homeless are women and children. Wow. And so it's often we have this vision that it's the guy you might see downtown. Right. Um, But that's not necessarily the whole picture. And so we make a lot of assumptions and we have a lot of misperceptions Mm -hmm. about what it is. Mm -hmm. And um, I kind of like to challenge people to put on another hat and like, look at this through another lens.
1: Right.
0: And, um,
1: yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I know I have my perceptions of homelessness and it's, you know, it's the, the, the you know, the guy with a knapsack on his back sitting at the intersection with a sign or living under a bridge or a lady with a cart or mm-hmm. something like that. But I don't imagine a family with small kids, you know, because yeah. you don't see it, you know, so much, you know, they're not out in front of you. And right. so, yeah, it's good, you know, it's it's interesting that, to know that that's a bigger and bigger percentage of the homeless people are are women with, with, with kids and stuff like that. And it's, you know, I guess, I guess my question is, it's like, we don't see it. So how do we know? How do we we connect to that as, as people and, and do something about it or, 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 you know, get that word out, I guess.
0: That's a really hard part. Yeah. Right? <laughs> There's yeah. no like cookie cutter perfect answer. Mm-hmm. I think um, one thing I say is, you know, often look around you and look at your social network and mm-hmm. the people you connect with every day and think about all of their individual stories that got them to that place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you look at our families who are living without roofs over their heads or individuals without roofs over the head, they have just as many different stories as to why they're where they're at, as you, you know, your friends have different stories, how they ended up where they're at. And Mm -hmm. so people end up in that situation for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be mental health and not having an ability to get into a program that they need, or drug addiction and lack of inpatient care or treatment Mm -hmm. facilities. Mm -hmm. But it often can be domestic violence. It can be um, a loss of a job. It can be a health issue. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we have families who have had a major medical issue right. that has caused them to tap into their, you know, the minimal resources
1: that they have. Yeah. Right?
0: They, mm-hmm. they, um, li- they, use all of their retirement funds mm-hmm. and they sell the, everything they own to like help their family get past this right. ailment. And then what do they have? Mm-hmm. And so homelessness might be the pe- it, it is the people that you see on the streets, mm-hmm. but we have a huge population that are couch surfing, right. that are you know have multi families in one house, mm-hmm. um, people living in their cars, and those are the harder ones to see. And um, I guess the best way to reach out and and get connected with the need and what's mm-hmm. really going on is to really humanize the issue yeah so like let's look at each of these people that we see and Mm -hmm. hear about and understand their story Mm -hmm. because if we treat them with that if we do you know if we romanticize Mm -hmm. somebody's lifestyle or make assumptions like we have about the hobo life then we're missing like what the realities Mm -hmm. of today are and why people are Mm -hmm. there and what their stories are and who they are.
1: Right. And, you know, especially in Issaquah, um, I think there's a perception that, well, you know, they camp up in the hills and then they come down during the day. What a great life. They're camp, you know, they're camping homeless. You know, mm-hmm. they're, not, they're not under threat of, you know, in downtown Seattle where it might be a little more dangerous. You know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think there's, that, there's a slight perception that, that that's the homeless that live here. You know, it's not the mom who lost her job and is now in a car with her two kids because she was living pay, pay, paycheck to paycheck or, or like you said, somebody who, who are family who was living paycheck to paycheck and there was il- illness, and just like you said. And I think in a lot of ways, and this is, I'm just kind of spouting my personal experience, is that, is that when you see someone, you have your personal biases immediately exposed. You know, it's like get a job, oh, you wrote a nice sign, you know, it's just all these terrible things that come to your head because you don't want to deal with it as a society, Mm -hmm. as a person. You want to move beyond
2: it. I was thinking something really similar, actually, Mm -hmm. as Corey was talking about how we, and we see this, I think it's interesting in some ways, of course, Corey's much more kind of boots on the ground with this, Mm -hmm. but part of both of our jobs is to get people to look at individual lives and understand, you know, how mm-hmm. detailed and how different that can be. But I feel like when there's an overwhelming problem, we do, we try to simplify it. We put a lot of assumptions together so that we can explain it away and make it not our problem. Mm -hmm. So we have this story that we come up with, and I'm familiar with some of the ones that you're talking Mm -hmm. about too. The one that I hear a lot or kind of feel a lot. Sometimes they aren't completely articulated, but Mm -hmm. this idea that, that the homeless problem in Issaquah is from somewhere else. That mm-hmm. these are not actually Isaquans that are homeless. These are people from outside the community, and that was one of the things that mm-hmm. uh, that Corey tackled at the presentation. That oh, a lot okay. of these people are are here. They've been here all their lives. They've grown up here. Right. So there yeah. there are homeless.
1: Yes. Yeah. And people and you know and people don't especially uh, you know and people don't want to think that they, would, they don't want to think well Isaquan isn't a homeless problem. We have homeless people coming here. That's mm-hmm. our homeless problem. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Right.
0: Um, yeah, the truth is a lot of the kids that we see on the street and a lot of the people who come from the hills have roots here. Mm-hmm. This is their home. Right. And um, I think that people might be uncomfortable with that for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, in some ways I can kind of understand that. There's a fear, like, there might be a deeper layer of fear if that can happen to somebody else, this might mm-hmm. be something that could happen to me. True. And so we're going to keep that at an arm distance. And we create this us and them kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And,
1: um, like Erica the, was saying, a narrative yeah, that makes you feel comfortable yeah. with the situation that, that this person's sitting here on the street corner.
0: Yeah. And a lot of times the homelessness that we see mm-hmm. is only a sliver of the reality of homelessness. Nice. Like you don't, we, we don't realize how many people are living in their cars Mm -hmm. or how many people are living at motel six because they have challenged, you know, they've been evicted. Now they have barriers to getting into housing, Mm -hmm. but they have incomes, but nobody will rent to them. That's Mm -hmm. homelessness. Yeah. And that that's happening to people Mm
1: -hmm.
0: all the time, every day. A lot of people are facing that experience Mm -hmm. through this last recession Mm -hmm. where they,
1: they, don't have, they their, don't have
0: good credit right. anymore. They were evicted because they lost a job. Mm-hmm. And now they're people just like you and I who are just really struggling getting a roof right. over their head.
1: Mm-hmm. And especially because the housing market, we live in a tough housing market area. Where you know, so that adds to the pressure even more. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, yeah, and, and people don't think of it. They think of it as a very black and white issue, you know. It's that person that is mentally ill. We've, you know, we've talked about it. It's, it's this, that, and the other, but it's not someone who's trying. Right. And I think that's the story. Narrative we tell ourselves to be okay with it. I
2: okay. really think it is. It's a list mm-hmm. of reasons, mm-hmm. the the perceptions that people come up with. Mm-hmm. In some ways, it's a list of reasons in their head why that will never happen to me. Right. You know? Right. Well, Mm-hmm. That person has X Y and Z going on and I'm never gonna do X Y and Z mm-hmm. so I don't have to worry about that right and it kind of goes back to the narrative
1: of romancing the hobos Is it probably those children you were talking about that you that you've had the stories with mm-hmm. with the romance their parents were probably telling them they'll you know, that's the person they chose this life. They mm-hmm. have the freedom. You know, they're not jo- tied to a job like, like your father or your mother. You know, they they have the freedom to jump and go wherever they wa- want to. And it's see the world type of thing. And in their mind, it romanticized it. Yeah. You know? Now, we're not romanticizing it, but we're creating a narrative that helps us deal We've with it. We've got our own mm-hmm. perceptions. So we, yeah. so we feel okay.
0: Yeah. I have some interesting mm-hmm. statistics. So in 2013... King County had the largest homeless population in the nation. Wow! And I don't think people are like moving to King County because the weather's so great. No. <laughs> <laughs> like these are people who are from here, mm-hmm. and so that tells me that that's a that's a big problem. Thirty-five percent of those people were unsheltered, and um, oh, I'm sorry. The HUD, the U.S. Department for Housing and Urban Development, reported that. At that time, 610,000 people were homeless in the United States, and Mm -hmm. of all those people in the United States, 35% of those people were unsheltered, and 23% of those people were under the age of 18. Wow. Wow, man. So, in the whole nation. Mm -hmm. So, um, and we're, you know, that 2013 Mm -hmm. wasn't that long ago, we're at the top of the list for homelessness. Mm -hmm. And so... That's Issaquah shocking. Issaquah is in King County. Right. This is a, this is a...
1: You know, I mean, to be, to be completely honest, just not having any idea of any of those statistics, it's absolutely shocking that King County led the nation, knowing that the, you know, the Seattle metropolitan area's economy rebounded quicker than most places, and it feels like we're doing better than most, and, and right there, a statistic is telling you, no, we're not. Mm-hmm. We're, we're failing a, 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 a area of our population. It's,
2: it's quite a yeah. shocking statistic,
0: and it's not. I we I don't think it's getting better mm-hmm. because um, every year uh, we the King County Coalition to End Homelessness does a one night count mm-hmm. in January. So volunteers go out in different communities and count people who are sleeping in their mm-hmm. cars or sleeping in doorways. And this year was a twenty one percent increase from two 2000- thousand. Fourteen numbers, oh, man. and from 2013 to 2014, it was a 14 percent increase. Wow! So at the times when we kind of feel like we're bouncing back mm-hmm. from the recession, clearly our homeless number, people sleeping outside, yeah. unsheltered, is going up and up and up.
1: That's that's a tragic number, really.
0: Yeah, it's a yeah, lot. It there was a total uh, on January 23rd, 2015. Three thousand seven hundred seventy-two men, women, and children sleeping outside. Wow. wow,
1: that's that's an uncomfortable number. Yeah, it really is. Um, so where do we go, and where does some, I know I know it's a battle that you that you're a part of every day. You live this every day. So if, if I'm a, if I'm just a person that lives in Issaquah that's sitting here listening to this and going, you know, that's 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 as shocking to them as it is to me. What's a path to help? What are they, what, you know? What is it? What is a homeless person? Let's let's take a, a homeless family. What are their options right now, um, it, to to help? What's out there that helps get gets them um, on the right track to move towards getting a place to stay?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Mm -hmm. So there are several nonprofits and Mm -hmm. resources in King Mm -hmm. County that can and do help. Mm -hmm. It's not always a fast process, though. It's usually not fast enough for somebody who is sleeping outside. Mm -hmm. Um, But calling 211 is a great resource. Plugging into any of our nonprofits Mm -hmm. will hopefully get you connected with the right resources that you need. So going to a local food bank, Mm -hmm. going to... um, walking into a low-income housing program office, like the YWCA, right. uh, Friends of Youth, just kind con- connecting mm-hmm. with some nonprofit that you feel safe.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and. Um,
1: Let's refresh people if they don't understand, don't know what 2-1-1 two, is. Maybe sure. you explain to them what, what 2 one is.
0: Yeah, 2 one is our regional um, resource line. Mm-hmm. So people can call there, or you can go to their website and mm-hmm. access information on... Um, local resources, food mm-hmm. banks, mm-hmm. Um, shelters, all kinds of information. But that's where you would call to find mm-hmm. out where there's availability in shelter. Mm-hmm. So if you were going to be homeless tonight, you could call 2-1-1 and they'll let you know where shelter bed opens are and how to get there.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. That's good to know. Um, mm-hmm.
0: But the shelter, you know, sheltering's mm-hmm. short-term fix. Mm-hmm. And so one of our biggest challenges in King County is what's the long-term plan for getting people into permanent housing Mm -hmm. faster. Right. Yeah. Mm Because the longer they're in Mm -hmm. the homeless or shelter system or the Mm -hmm. transitional housing system, the...
1: I think the harder it the is. The harder more, it is. Yeah. It's
0: hard for to create that stability. It's hard mm-hmm. to get a job when you're in a shelter. Mm-hmm. It's hard. You've got all of your belongings. You're packing them mm-hmm. in and out. It you can only stay process, in shelters. Really. It's yeah. just a
1: process of survival, you know. Yeah. Instead of instead of I, instead of moving on and thriving, and, and thriving, you're just going okay. I stayed here tonight. Now I got to get here. Now I got to get here. So now it's it's just a shell game, right? That absorbs your existence really right. in a lot of ways, right?
0: Yeah, and in between here and there, mm-hmm. what am I going to eat? How am I going to get a shower? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what am I going to do with my stuff? What are my
1: kids going to eat?
0: How are my kids going to get to mm-hmm. school? Like, right. this whole thing. Yeah. It gets really, really complicated. Mm-hmm. And so, one of the myths about homelessness that that right. people see and think is, mm-hmm. oh, there's like, there's a laziness factor to it. Right. That is such a myth. Like, when yeah. I think about all of the steps that it takes to <laughs> get yourself up in the morning, to figure out all those important mm-hmm. details to get your basic needs met.
1: Mm-hmm. Every day. Yeah, is versus
0: it, just rolling out of bed and opening your refrigerator. Like, that going, is a challenge. Right,
1: and going, oh, gosh, I don't want to go to work today. Yeah, that doesn't, <laughs> equal,
0: that doesn't equal laziness to no. me at all. And no. I so you asked earlier, like, mm-hmm. what do we do? How do we mm-hmm. know? And my first kind of call to action is, like, let's think about this differently mm-hmm. and let's look at people... Um, from a kind, loving place and recognize that they have a story. Right. So when you see somebody who may be, cha- you know, looking like they're facing some challenges or mm-hmm. homeless, smile.
1: Yeah.
0: Treat them like a human. Mm-hmm. Say hi. Yeah. Don't, don't cross the street. Don't mm-hmm. be afraid. Right. Because somebody is living in a situation where they don't have a roof over their head. I guess my second call to action is, would be to get engaged and get mm-hmm. informed. Mm-hmm. There are some great Facebook pages out there, some great nonprofits that have a lot of really good information about homelessness, and you can mm-hmm. volunteer and donate and um, share your time and resources.
1: If they want to get involved locally, what would they do? What would they do here in Issaquah?
0: Well, um, contacting the Issaquah Food and Clothing Bank, mm-hmm. checking out our new awesome website would be a great mm-hmm. place to start. And, What's um, the website?
1: Just so everybody knows.
0: isaquafoodbank.org
2: Great.
0: <laughs> Very easy. Mm-hmm. Um but there's other great nonprofits mm-hmm. that help families who are struggling, like Eastside Baby Corner, Eastside right. Friends of Youth, um mm-hmm. the YWCA. So just mm-hmm. where wherever your passion lies, mm-hmm. like get engaged. Yeah. We have we live in a community that is so extremely divided. There mm-hmm. we can we have families who have a lot Mm -hmm. and we have families who have very little and man we could do a lot if we just are open and you know kind of create a really good safety net for people who might be slipping through the cracks right
1: right if we could connect those two groups a little bit more yeah we go a long way to helping everybody out yeah wow well, I, in a way, it feels kind of feels like oh, feels like doom and gloom to a certain extent. But there's some hope there, you know. I mean, there's hope with with help, right? With people getting involved. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. It comes down to uh, someone getting up off the couch and making a phone call, volunteering some time, donating a little bit of money, understanding. And I think the one of the things that you said that really resonated with me was treat people like human beings connect with them. Look a person in the eye and give them a smile. You know?
2: I think that one of the most powerful things that Corey talked about mm-hmm. at the, the opening of the exhibit, which was incredible. I mean, we had almost 60 people there, so the oh. room was completely packed. Kind of the call to action that Corey made at that mm-hmm. time was question your perceptions. And that's something that's so easy to do. You don't even have to leave your couch. Yeah. You know, or the front seat of your car, mm-hmm. which is where a lot of our perceptions of um, people without homes are created. True. So, and I, I think that the people who were there that day left feeling uh, hopeful and engaged and really ready to question their perceptions. I think uh, one of the things that was so amazing about the opening is just that there were so many people coming from so many different. Um, angles of the conversation who got together in one place and there was really a lot of passion in the room and mm-hmm. it was really very exciting and I, I got the sense that, that people left that day with, uh, with the intention of for starters at least questioning their assumptions and we had a lot of people asking for additional information afterwards too so that was good
1: that's really good I, and hopefully if, if people listen to this podcast we can leave them with that same thing Yeah, question your perceptions that is a great term challenge yourself to, you know, to move to action. That's, that's really good. A lot of great information has been given today. We've heard, heard some historical stuff about hobos and Issaquah. And, um, what, how, what, what's the, um, What's the dates on the, on the exhibit at the Historical Museum, America? The,
2: op- uh, the exhibit is going to be open through September 15th, and it's open whenever the depot is. So that's uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 11 to 3. Mm-hmm.
1: And the name of the exhibit again is?
2: Uh, Hobos and Homelessness in the Arts by Sean Dahl.
1: Okay. And then, Corey, if someone hears this and gets a call to action and, and wants to, to, to do something and change their perceptions, what, what's the best way to do that?
0: Um, They can call Issaquah Food and Clothing Bank, Mm -hmm. or I highly recommend checking out our new website at Mm issaquahfoodbank.org. And all of our information is on there.
1: That's great. And the phone number for the clothing bank?
0: 425-392-4123. That's
1: great. Well, thank you very much for both of you guys coming in today. It uh, gave me a lot of food thought. Uh, maybe it'll give me a a cause, a call to action. I'll definitely take this information home to my home and talk to my kids and my wife and my family about it. I would like to thank you both for joining us today and sharing this information with the Issaquah community. Um, We'll see you next time on Uniquely Issaquah. Stay unique.